Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Ords, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about issues related to ministry leadership. On this podcast, we try to focus on practical aspects of ministry leadership and talk about uh, specific things we can do to lead our churches and ministry organizations in a more effective way. Now, this is the second part of really a two-part podcast. Last week, I talked about ministry uh, on or during controversial issues. And today, I'd like to talk about preaching on controversial issues. Uh, specifically, uh, preaching, teaching, speaking, putting all that sort of together. I, uh, anytime you're communicating about these things, uh, how could you do it more effectively? And when I say controversial issues, I'm talking about things like same-sex marriage or uh, gender issues, sexual abuse, sexual harassment, uh, things that are really going on right now in our culture that are, are creating a lot of interest and anxiety for people. But uh, there's also some issues that are, that are uh, uh, pressing like uh, abortion, immigration, uh, environmentalism here in the, in the part of the world I live in is a, is a controversial issue. So there's, there's, there's some that are, that are pressing us in a sort of a national way, and then there's uh, others that kind of come and go but stay sort of steady in terms of the controversy they raise. But you get the idea. What do you do when you decide to preach on one of these subjects? Or what do you do when uh, your preaching ministry or your preaching through part of the Bible uh, brings you to one of these issues? So preaching, teaching, speaking on controversial subjects. I'll give you a top 10 list, just like I did last week on the podcast. Uh, 10 ideas, 10 things, 10 checkpoints, if you will, that will strengthen you in communicating these er on these areas. So the first one is this. Preach and teach from the Bible. And use the text as closely as you can and stay with the text as much as you can. Preaching on controversial issues is an opportunity for a lot of speculation and uh, sharing of ideas and an and old worn out phrasing and all kinds of things that uh, really isn't all that helpful. If you want, and, and will only lead quite honestly to more controversy. So stick as closely as you can with the Bible. Uh, choose passages of Scripture that legitimately speak to the issue uh, that you're addressing and go through that passage as carefully and as closely as you can and make your message uh, as much as possible a reflection of exactly what the text has to say. Uh, it is so... Um, this is so important for so many reasons. First of all, uh, the text has power. It, it speaks clearly and articulately uh, for itself. No matter what you may have to say about it, it can communicate just because it's the text of Holy Scripture. Uh, but then beyond that, uh, when you preach from the text, uh, you're keeping, you're subjecting your ideas to the ideas that are taught in the Word of God, and you're minimizing what you have to think about a controversial subject and elevating what God has to say about it. And then uh, another aspect of this is when you when you preach from the text about a controversial issue, and people do uh, react or they give you negative feedback, you can simply direct them to Scripture and say, you know, I understand you're you're feeling strongly about this, or I understand you don't agree with me, but this is what the Bible says, and, and what I'd like for you to do is to study this passage of Scripture even more. And then if you want to, to correct me on what I'm believing that it teaches, do so by showing me other passages of Scripture that either, that either interpret or explain this passage in a better way for me. Because I really want to base what I believe and what I teach on what the Bible has to say. And when you confront someone who's complaining and you say something like this back to them, uh, it really helps them understand that their argument is not so much with the speaker or the communicator. Their argument 
is with the Bible. And they're going to have to take up that argument there if they, uh, in order to uh, resolve the tension that they're feeling. So the first thing I would encourage you to do is preach and teach from the Bible. And not just generally thinking of, I want to preach something that I could probably find some biblical justification for somewhere, but no, not that. I mean, take a text of Scripture uh, and really develop that text so that it really speaks about the idea at hand and gives clear instruction and clear direction about that specific subject. So stay with the text. Second, consider using a manuscript so you can be more precise and you can avoid misstatements. Now, I am not typically a manuscript preacher. I typically preach from what I call a sermon brief, which is more than a skeletal outline, but much, much less than a manuscript. I preach from a brief that has the scriptures that I'm using and has the applications and illustrations clearly identified, and I I can walk through that and build the message uh, as I go. But when I preach on a controversial issue, um, I use a manuscript. And I do that for a number of reasons. Uh, First of all, as I said, when you use a manuscript, you can be more precise. You can say exactly what you mean, and you can say it uh, say it more clearly than you would if you were doing it spontaneously. And then uh, a manuscript helps you to avoid misstatements. Helps you to keep from saying what you didn't intend to say, uh, and keeps you from saying things that are mistakes or errors. It, it, It really cuts those down. Another good thing a manuscript does also, it makes you, it forces you to say what you really intended to say. You know, on on, uh, Wednesday morning in your uh, study, and when you write something and it's bold and forthright, uh, and you get to the Sunday delivery moment and you read that, you may be thinking to yourself, wow, I wish I hadn't been quite that forceful. (laughs) But in the moment, you might have compromised, but because you thought it through in the cool reflective uh, atmosphere of your study as opposed to the hot moment of the, of the communicating, in that way you're able to say what you really intend to say, even to say things strongly and forcefully that you intend to say. Another reason that I like to use a manuscript when I'm preaching on controversial issues is it, uh, it gives me a record of what I've said, and if anyone challenges me on that later, I can say, no, that, that's not what I said. Here's exactly what I said. I have it in writing. Another good reason to use a manuscript is because it enables you to have something that you can actually give to people that they can take away and study and reflect on what you said during the communication, uh, uh, during the preaching or the teaching time. Now, um, another good reason, well, there's a lot of these, but another good reason to use a manuscript is because it enables you to have something that you can use over and over again. You know, I've I have a message on uh, ministry in the new marriage culture, which is specifically about developing ministry strategies to uh, address same-sex marriage issues. And I've spoken that message a half a dozen times now. Uh, I amend it each time, sharpen it a little bit, change it for the audience. But generally speaking, it's the same manuscripted message that I've used each time that I've spoken on that subject. And so a manuscript helps you to have something that you can uh, develop in sort of a timeless way that you can use over and over again to speak on these subjects. And then another reason for a manuscript, and I realize that uh, recording this or or uh, even doing a video of your message could also accomplish the same thing. But another good thing about a manuscript is you can give it to people who weren't there. For example, um, I advise pastors that uh, every pastor should preach a message on their church's position on and ministry to people involved in same-sex marriage. One message. Not a message every month. (laughs) Not a message every year. One message. And when you preach that message, preach it from a manuscript, 
Get a good audio recording, get a good video recording. And then as the, as the issue comes up in the future, as new people join the church or people ask the pastor, well, what do you believe about this? What do you teach about this? Where are you on this subject? Rather than having to re-preach it or, or in some way try to explain it, say, thank you for asking. Here's a copy of my manuscript, and here's a thumb drive with a video on it that will help you to understand exactly our position on this issue. That's how a manuscript can be so helpful when you're teaching or preaching on a controversial issue. It does so many things that are so important, and it helps you to avoid so many errors. Uh, I strongly encourage you to learn how to do that. Now, if you've never preached from a manuscript before, the best thing to do is to talk it out and write it out as you speak it. Remember, a manuscript isn't a formal paper like you'd turn in at a seminary. Uh, a manuscript is an oral document. It's designed to sound like you're speaking it when you read it. And so you don't write the same way when you write a manuscript. Just in, Instead of trying to write a, a formal paper, sit down and just start writing like you would talk to someone and let that spill out of you so that your, oral, so that your written manuscript has, a very, has an oral style to it, and when you read it or when you speak it, it sounds like something that is more of a sermon than a book review. Number, th number three, do your research and get your facts straight before you make any outlandish claims. Look, you know this already, but remember, just because you saw it on the internet doesn't make it true, or just because you heard it somewhere on some news program doesn't make it a reality. It's so important when you start speaking on controversial issues to get your facts straight whether you're speaking on opioid epidemic or whether you're speaking on environmentalism or whether you're speaking on abortion, same-sex marriage, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, don't make outlandish statements based on half-truths or innuendo or partial information or something you think you remember you heard someday. When I speak on a controversial issue, I want to make sure that any factual information that I use, like a, like a data point or like a survey or like a poll or anything like that, I want to make sure that I have that information from a credible source, from a primary source. So I don't want to quote somebody who quoted somebody who quoted somebody. I want to go back and find that original study or that original poll or that original information, and I want to quote directly from that, and I want to be sure it's from a credible source that when I say, uh, you know, according to a Gallup poll or according to the American Bar Association uh, or according to the Harvard uh, Medical Journal, I, I want to be able to say something uh, that has real meat to it and has a, a, a source that people would recognize as being valid. So do your research and get your facts straight before you make any outlandish claims uh, about anything that's controversial. All right, number four, make sure you have age-appropriate and context-appropriate verbiage and illustrations. Now, this is so important because you might preach a different message depending on your audience. Uh, for example, when I speak about sexual morality, if I'm speaking on that subject in a Sunday morning audience where I'm going to have seven and eight-year-old children and 70 or 80-year-old grandmas, I'm going to address that subject directly and clearly and biblically, but I'm also going to make sure that my verbiage and my illustrations connect with the breadth of people who are involved in my audience and also are not offensive to people who are in that audience. However, if I'm at a men's conference... I recently spoke at a men's conference, and I spoke on sexual morality and the importance of living a moral lifestyle in our culture today, and I spoke very differently than I would have spoken that same message on a Sunday morning. I was speaking only to men. There wasn't anybody in the room that was under 30. It was a, it was a, a retreat uh, that 
that that uh, was designed for more mature guys. And that retreat, I laid it out, man, as clearly as I could. And I don't use vulgarities or profanities or anything like that, but I do use some plain uh, plain language. I do speak very directly, and I give some illustrations uh, that I might not give in a normal in another setting. So think about where you're preaching, where you're teaching, who your audience is, who's involved, what you're trying to really communicate, and choose um, your verbiage and illustrations so that they're both age appropriate and context appropriate. Now, uh, having said that, let me also uh, underscore that. People today, especially children and teenagers, have been exposed to so much more talk about sex, morality, marriage, harassment, abuse than people were in previous generation. So don't be overly hesitant to address these issues in a congregation that has a very much a, a great breadth or diversity of age and background. Don't be afraid to address these issues because, frankly, people want them addressed and they want them addressed in an appropriate way, even in the presence of their children. Uh, a few years ago, I preached a series of messages at a church called Say Yes About Sex. And the entire four-week four series was based on trying to create a positive uh, statement about sexuality. It wasn't just a <clears throat> don't do this, don't do that type of set of sermons. It was here's a biblical perspective on sexuality. Here are the positive aspects of it. Here's how it can be a healthy part of your life. And here's what to do if it's not been and how you can have a more positive future. That's the, that was the nature of the four weeks. But because I was going to be uh, fairly direct and uh, addressing an issue that you know does raise some concern for a number of people, uh, I actually had the church arrange for some alternative worship experiences for anyone 12 and under so that everyone in the room would be at least uh, 13 years old. And we put out a disclaimer and said, you know, this is going to be offered. Parents have the option. And we even made the announcement, you know, early in the worship service, this is going to be addressed in the sermon today. If you have any concern, we have this alternative event planned for children under our 12 and under. Do you know how many parents, and this was a church of about, say, 300, do you know how many parents uh, took their children out of the service? Not one. And after the first service, uh, one of the parents came up to me and said, hey, I appreciate your caution and the disclaimers and the alternative activities. I appreciate all that. I really do. But you have to understand, there's not anything that you're going to say from the pulpit of a church on a Sunday morning that my child hasn't heard on the playground this week. I trust you that you're going to handle this material appropriately, but I can assure you, uh, you're not going to say anything that my kids are not already thinking about or dealing with or talking to me about. So don't be afraid to address these kind of hard issues in a congregation that may include children or teenagers, but make sure that you use age-appropriate verbiage, age-appropriate illustrations, and also make sure that you do plan alternative activity or alternative uh, uh, worship or whatever uh, to give people an option if that's something they're not really comfortable with you addressing in a public setting. All right, number five, be serious. When you're addressing controversial issues, is not the time for jokes or hostile humor. Well, I've heard so many things that, that, that have just been embarrassing in this regard, where a person will be preaching, for example, on homosexuality, and they'll make some you know, really sick joke about, you know, the Bible talks about Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, or, or something like that. And it, it's just insulting to people to hear that kind of humor brought into an issue that's so serious. 
Uh, and so uh, just, just, just avoid humor. It's not the day to be funny. And, and look, I, I, if you've ever heard me speak, you know I, I almost have something humorous in most every one of my messages. I, I, I like to see the, 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 the funny side of life, and I like to bring that into to, to ministry, and I'm, I'm very comfortable with that. But not when I'm speaking on abortion or when I'm sp- speaking on sexual harassment or sexual abuse <clears throat> or some other subject like that. That's just not the time or place for humor. So be careful. Be serious. It's not the time for jokes or hostile humor when you're addressing one of these serious issues. Number six, be positive. When you're speaking on controversial issues, it's, it's often easy to go uh, totally to the negative, uh, to condemn wrong behavior, to talk about how evil sin is, how wicked the world is, uh, to run down uh, the media for their contribution to the debauchery of American society. I mean, you can just go on and on and on with negative, negative, negative. And again, there is a place to call out wrong behavior. But when you're preaching on a controversial issue, you have to do more than that. You also have to point people toward a positive outcome. Uh, While this is not God's design for marriage, this is God's design for marriage, and look how good it can be. While this is not God's design for sex before marriage, this is God's design for sex in marriage. Look how good this can be. While this is never God's design that people be abused sexually, um, look what can happen when people are respected and loved and valued and sexuality is uh, preserved and lifted up in our culture uh, in a healthy way. Uh, so the you know yes, abortion is wrong, but look about the importance of uh, of of of, uh, of pregnancy and childbearing and motherhood and all that that can mean in our culture. Uh, so yeah, condemn what's negative, but try to preach as much and teach as much as you can to encourage good behavior, to promote right choices, to guide people toward the healthy and positive aspects of these controversial issues. Number seven, be realistic. Talk about real issues and real solutions. Uh, we wrote a book here at our school a number of years ago called Ministry in the New Marriage Culture. I edited it, but we had faculty uh, write different chapters. And the book starts out this way. It says, uh, same-sex marriage is wrong. Now what? You have to be realistic. Uh, you can rail about same-sex marriage if you want. It's the law of the land. It's still wrong. I fully agree with that. But now it's here. And so now we have to talk about the real issues. So what do you do about people who are in same-sex marriages that are visiting your church? What do you do about people who are in same-sex marriages who are getting divorces? What do you do about people who have children uh, from previous marriages who then come into a same-sex marriage and bring their children with them? Uh, How do you relate to those children in that context? And especially when those children may raise questions about their parents' choices, what do you do about those choices? How do you intersect teaching children to respect and honor their parents when their parents have done something that is so dishonorable? These are real issues, and they demand serious consideration and offering real solutions, or at least real options about possible solutions. And so when you're teaching and preaching on controversial issues, you have to do more than just bloviate like you hear on these news channels and just go on and on and on about how bad they are and how wrong they are and, 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 then, uh, and then never propose any kind of positive or realistic solution to the real issues people are facing. So stay realistic. And also on this issue of being realistic, you know, it's not a previous generation. And no matter how much you want it to be a previous generation, we're not going to go back in time. You're not going to go back in time to a happier time or to a better time or to a time when things were not so complicated. You live in the right now. 
And so rather than spending your preaching and teaching time lamenting or talking about how the good old days need to come back or anything like that, instead focus on what's real now, what can I address about these real issues today, what are some real solutions I can put forward. Now, number eight, preaching on controversial issues, be sensitive. Remember, people in your audience are living these realities right now. With the number of abortions that have happened in America in the last 50 years, it's almost certain that a church of any size will have women who are attending that church or members of that church who have abortions in their background, and you may not even know it. And so when you're preaching about abortion, assume that a number of the women that you'll be addressing have this in their background, and while they may have kept it a secret, never told anyone, they know about it. And when they hear you preaching about it, you're speaking more directly to them than you might imagine. When you're speaking about same-sex marriage, remember, many people in your church are impacted by same-sex marriage on a daily basis. Uh, like one person I know supervises a team, and on his work team, there are two people that are married to each other of the same sex. Um, I, I personally have had in my family uh, a person in a long-term same-sex relationship, and we see this person regularly at holidays and other kinds of events, and interfacing with that person is a part of the challenge of my life and, and one I've accepted. But I'm sitting there listening to you preach, and you're talking to me about a real situation that I'm dealing with and living with, even in my family. And then... Um, as, you, uh, as you deal with other uh, problems like this, like sexual abuse or sexual harassment, uh, these are not things you can just flippantly talk about. You have to recognize the people you're looking at in your congregation are people who've had these things happen to them. Now, you're thinking, wait a second. You know, as I'm teaching a Bible study or I'm preaching a sermon or I'm communicating this information at a conference, you're telling me that I've got all these Christians in my church and they're all coming, they all love the Lord, that they have these things in their life. I'm telling you, absolutely they do. And when you treat these issues in a callous manner or in a frivolous manner or when you make fun of people that are involved in these situations or who've experienced these problems, you're making fun of, you're making light of, you're treating with frivolity the people who are sitting right in front of you, and you may not even know it. So you have to be sensitive knowing that people in your audience are dealing with these realities right now. Well, number nine. When you speak or teach or preach on controversial issues, you have to have a follow-up plan to deal with people who are impacted by your message and want to change. You have to realize that the power of God is at work through the Word of God, and when you preach and teach it faithfully, people are going to be transformed. But because they're transformed in the moment doesn't mean they don't have lifestyle issues to address or, or things they have to work out. For example, I'm uh, have a, a, a friend who came to faith in Jesus Christ as a young lesbian. She was in her mid-20s. And when she came to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, her first question was, well, now that I'm a Christian, I, I, I want to change my moral behavior. Where, where do I go now? Because where I live is with my lesbian partner. I mean, how do I go forward? And so when you preach and call people to make choices to come out of certain lifestyles, you have to have a follow-up plan in place. Do you have a plan in place to help that woman find another place to live, to help her establish a new network of friendships and relationships? Do you have a plan in place to help her deal with the emotional turmoil and pressure? Uh, this particular situation got really ugly because um, her former partner accused the church of brainwashing her and of spiritually kidnapping her and 
and the lesbian community mobilized and, and almost tried to physically take this person back from the church and from their fellowship. Uh, it turned into a stalking situation. It was horrible. But the church had a plan and, and then created a, a, a more of a plan, but they had, to, they had a plan and they were working that plan to try to help this person establish themselves in a new way of life. So uh, when you preach and teach, minister, communicate on controversial issues, you have to have a plan. What if people respond? When the gospel becomes real in their lives, when the word of God becomes powerful and changes their thinking, how will you help them to put into place what you've challenged them to do? And then last of all, number 10, we live in a pushback culture. So if you're going to preach or teach on controversial issues, you've got to be ready for opposition. It's going to come. And it may come from outside your church, but it may also come from inside your church. It may come from someone who attacks you from a distance, but it may come from someone who walks up to you at a conference and confronts you on the spot. You know, I've been uh, teaching and preaching on marriage and marriage issues for the last number of years, and I've had a number of people confront me uh, for various reasons about what I've said, but in all cases it was because they had a profound um, opposition to what I was saying, and they were intent on confronting me for having taken the stand that I'd taken. Well, if you're going to preach, teach, communicate on controversial issues, stay with the Bible, use a manuscript, get your facts straight, make sure you're age appropriate in both your verbiage and illustrations, and then be serious, be positive, be realistic, be sensitive, and believe that God is going to do something through your speaking. And when he does, you have to have a plan to deal with people who want to change, and you also have to be prepared both emotionally and spiritually for the pushback, because opposition will come when you address controversial issues. Speaking up on these matters is part of our responsibility. I know you can do it as you lead on.